uh, Romans chapter 5 for later on. What we're trying to do, we talked about doing this new series. We'd really like you to, to open your Bible, to actually read in your Bible so you can see it, you know, and, and go back to it again. Feel free to mark it up and highlight it. You can't really do that if it's on the screen. Well, you could, I guess, but that wouldn't be good. But we want you to mark your Bibles up. We'll, we'll throw some scripture up on the screen as well. <clears throat> but I really want you to, uh, to open your word. If you don't have a Bible, you can use one in the P-Rack in front of you. And if you don't have a Bible at all, you can take one of the P-Rack Bibles and keep it for your own. <clears throat> We're going to go to... Can you give me a live slide on uh, the first one? It looks like it's clear. It's one that has my points. I'm going I'm to throw up on the screen, or Davey will, it's, it's the four points or five points today. So you can write those down in your notes if you have the notes. Uh, there was a little error in there. It's not week one. It's week two. If you were gone last week, it's not week one. It's week two. Uh, but this is, these are your, your five points today we'll go through and cover. Now, last week we spoke about creation, the creator. Uh, we're going through a series called Unavoidable, Believing the Gospel. And, and when we talk about what's unavoidable, it, it is about the gospel message uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who happened to be at creation, right, as a part of the triune member of, of the Godhead, Yahweh God, and created us. And last week we talked about God's creation and how, how infinite he is and how perfect he is and how uh, he's from forever to forever. He's from everlasting to everlasting. He's Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Um, and, he, and we don't put God in a box, right? We keep God out of a box, uh, and, and we are the ones that are in the box because we're the creation. We talked about how people have exchanged that truth for the lie, and we're going to talk about that today as well. Uh, today's topic is the fall. So last week we talked about the creator and creation, and we had a great, by the way, uh, Sunday night evening time where we discussed in, more in detail creation. Uh, as we talk about unavoidable, believing the gospel, these are closed-hand things. Today as we talk, this is closed-hand material. This is stuff we're going to fight for, we'll go to the grave over, because it's, it's that important. Uh, but last week, uh, we talked about the creator. That was closed hand. But as we talked about creation and, and as God created and how he did it and how long it took, our hand opened up, right? And we had a discussion last night about that, or not last night, last Sunday night, about those topics. And it was a great discussion. Uh, and we want to come to conclusions in our own heart where we've become thoroughly convinced because of Scripture and the Holy Spirit that, that this is where I'm going to reside. This is what's true. Uh, but some of those things can change, or, or we can... We've all grown in different ways, and open-hand things can kind of change. Uh, here's an example of that. We're mandated by God, closed hand, to worship God. Closed hand. Whether we sing hymns or praise or what we sing or what instruments we play, that's, that's kind of open-handed stuff, right? The style of how we do that is open-handed. So if we fight to the death about the electric guitar, we're in the wrong camp. But if we fight to the death about the message of the gospel through the praise and worship that we offer to our Lord, that's okay, right? That's closed hand. So that, that's what we're talking about, open hand, closed hand stuff. So uh, we're talking about unavoidable. What, what's, what is the closed hand stuff? What's the unavoidable, undeniable truth of the gospel that we must believe? Last week, that a triune God created us in his image for his glory. This week, we messed it all up. It's called the fall. We messed it all up. So we're going to pray, and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. Hopefully you've had time to turn there, right? First book, first chapter, first, uh, not first verse, but first chapter. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace that you bless us with an opportunity to, to be together in this building, to worship you, to, to give back to you, to expand the message of Christ worldwide. And God, that as we 
look at your scripture now, look at your word, your truth, that you would impart wisdom to us. You'd help us to see and understand you more clearly and understand our hearts and our relationship to you more clearly. Ultimately, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice he made that we would have hope in the midst of a hopeless world, that we'd have help in the midst of a helpless world. And we thank you for the Spirit of God who, who convinces us and convicts us of sin. Help us to rely on you, to trust in you, and to be conformed in the pattern and image of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, so in Genesis chapter 1, we'll begin at verse 27, if you would turn there and follow along with me in your Bible. <clears throat> What's that? 127. Okay. By the way, in your, in your message notes, all these references are on the side of the page, so you can follow along or re- research those later as well. 127, it says, So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male, and he created them female. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, uh, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth, and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This food, this food will be for you, uh, for all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, and for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw, in verse 31, God saw that uh, all that he had made, and it was very good. There was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Okay, so as we look at this today, we're, we're trekking along our story of, of the unavoidable message of the gospel, believing the gospel. We talked about creation as we, we venture into the, the next part, the next part of the story, the next leg, right, is, uh, is the fall. And when we talk about the fall, it, it means the fall from God's grace, the fall from, from being what God made us to be. Uh, it's when, when humanity chose sin over obedience and, and basically defiled ourselves for the rest of eternity because of that. Uh, because of that sin. We'll look at that today in depth and look at the hope we have. So today, the first part, uh, and it's number one there, God created and it was good. We're tracking along this story and carrying on the story of the fall. Uh, First part we need to understand is God created and it was good. And I want to start there because I think that we look, if we don't start with creation and and God, what God made was good, we start with what we have now. And some people have fooled themselves into thinking what we have now is good. I actually had a conversation with someone uh, about this at one point, and we talked about sin, and we talked about uh, perfection and holiness of God, and, and they, they came across with a comment. They said, well, I, I don't think I need Jesus. I said, well, why not? I mean, I, I thought I had laid out a convincing argument, right? And this gal's like, well, I, I'm perfect. Oh, man, I, I messed up somewhere, right? And, I, I, and it wasn't me, it's God working through me. But, but this, this individual thought that she was perfect, I said, well, I, you're going to have to help me here. Can you explain that? I'm the perfect example of what it means to be human. Oh, well, yeah, you are. But you're a sinner, right? The, the idea that we, we have to understand that there's sin there. The perfect example of what it's like to be human today is not the perfect example of what it was like when God said it was good. When God created, he created it good. He looked at this creation and said, this is very good. And that, that idea of good is whole and complete, pure. It's, it's what it should be. And today, that's not the case. What we have today is, is far from whole and pure and perfect. We look around the world and there's tragedy amongst tragedy. There's, there's cause amidst cause. There's, there's all kinds of ideas of what it's like to be 
right or wrong, right? It's, it's just we, we settle in these different camps and arguments, and, and people settle there, and we think this is, this is the perfect example of what it's like to be human. And they're right, it is the perfect example of what it's like to be a fallen human. Because when God created, he said, it is good. Remember, he's the perfect, infinite God that creates. And, and, and when he created, by the way, I want to mention, he created, he established an order of things. He established an order of how plants and animals relate to one another, right? And how they, how they give and the give and take there. They, he, he established an order of human beings, and, and their role over the dominion of the earth and over the, the fish of the sea and the plants and the animals. And, and their role of man and wife, right? Woman and, and man. And what their roles ought to be and their relationship ought to look like. And he also established how we ought to relate to God and what that relationship should look like. He established an order of things. And mankind has done their very best to destroy and take away that order. And then, and then once the order has been taken away, they ask, what happened? What's wrong? What's happening here? And they want to blame it on everything else except for the choice to deviate from what God had established as the right order of things. As, as believers, as Christians, we've got to be in a camp that says this is the truth. And what God established yesterday is true for me today. And his ways are, are perfect and pure and whole. And what he created was good. And what I have created is not so good. There's a scripture in Psalm 104 I want to go to and check it out with you. Right there. It says, may the, may the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in what? His works. See, the Lord can rejoice in his works. Why? Because when he created it was good. It was good. That's why the Lord can rejoice in his works. But good didn't stay good, did it? And that's as we track along the story of the fall. Number two is this. Satan is the father of lies. Satan is the father of lies. Let's go on to Genesis chapter 2. Scroll down to verse, scroll down uh, with your finger, to verse 15. Good save, save. yeah, thanks. So the Lord took man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are are to eat, uh, you're, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day that you eat from it, you will certainly die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is, who is like him. So the Lord God formed out of the ground each wild animal and each bird of the sky and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, and to every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found who was like him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh in that place. Uh, then the Lord God made, made the rib and, and, t- and he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one is to be called woman for she was taken from man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife and they become one flesh. Both the man and his wife were naked and had no shame. Now, let's stop there and pause it for a minute. We're talking about Satan being the father of lies. God made this order of things. God had a male and a female, that they were to be united as one flesh, that God had established this. This was good. It was not good for a man to be alone. And he brings, he brings and makes uh, Eve for Adam. And, and I, I like 
the, the, the interpretation, my interpretation, when, when God brought Eve to Adam, he said, whoa, man, whoa, man, and called her woman, right? Because God knows what he's doing. Hopefully I can get an amen from you husbands, right? And, and it was interesting that they were, they were naked and they were without shame. See, when God created, there was an order to things. It was the way it should be, and it was as it was. And in this, in this perfection that he had created, there was no shame. There was no guilt. There was only a perfect harmony, a perfect unity. And, and Adam and Eve walked in the Garden of Eden with God. They shared fellowship with God. They talked with God. It, it was like the place you want to go on vacation, right? That's where they lived. But, of course, every story has this villain. And in chapter 3, verse 1, let's check that out. Dun, dun, dun. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say? See, Satan is a liar. And Satan is a manipulator. And Satan wants to take what is pure and right about God and his way and convince us that, eh, yeah, it's good, but there's a little more to it. You can still do a, a little more and go a little different route if you want to. Did God really say? See, the emphasis here should be that everything we do and our, everything that we're accosted with should be tested against Scripture. Should be tested against God's word. When Satan says, did God really say? You say, wait a minute, hold on, I'll be right back. And you take your word and you, Yep, he really said it, and it's done. But Satan said, did God really say? And they're like, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he didn't quite say that. We're going to read into that a little more as we go on. But I just want us to understand that Satan is the father of lies. In fact, John 8, 844 tells us he is the father of lies. And, and I've said this many times before in my personal life and in, in counsel with other people and just friendships and in conversations and in church. Satan is not going to come up to you and say, you should do this. By the way, it's going to kill you. Right? He doesn't come up and he's, you're not afraid of him. He's not like this devil with the horns and red and a pitchfork. Like, I would be running away. Satan can't convince me to follow him when he comes to me like that. I want to call the police. <laughs> Satan was this beautiful angel that fell from grace. And when he approaches you, he says, here, look at this beautiful, whatever it is. Check out this enticing this is good. I, I wanna, he wants to convince you that this is good. And, and God might even look down and say, yeah, that's good, but that's not good the way you're presenting it. See, Satan wants to twist what God said and make it into something that's pure and perfect and lovely for us. And when we think that it's pure and perfect and lovely, we're just going to take it and use it or take it and abuse it. Satan is the father of lies. Remember, there's an order to the things that God has set up and it's constantly being attacked by the father of lies. And it's constantly being questioned by Satan. Did God really say? Did God really say? That's what, that's what he wants to get you going on. And then he wants to think, maybe he didn't say that. And maybe he said it a different way. Media, by the way. Media is a huge problem. You look at the magazines we look at, the articles we look at, the vlogs, the blogs, the, the social media that we're on. You look at the, the videos we watch, the Netflix we, we stream the cable TV we have, whatever it is, the commercials we watch, if we continue to go unguarded to these things, 
Satan is having a field day with us. And we become a people of excess stuff that takes our our focus and, and attention, our time, our treasure, our talents away from the one who created us in his image. Satan wants to rob you of that joy. He wants to rob us of that paradise, that relationship with God. We're constantly under attack. The story continues, right? Number three, here's the third part of the sermon today. The choice was then made to believe the lie. So the choice was made to believe the lie, to embrace the lie. Let's go on in uh, verses 1 through 6, chapter 3. We read this one already. Now the serpent was more cunning than all the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from the tree in the garden? Now, I want you to, as we read this on, I want you to pay attention to, the, to just the subtlety that Satan uses and how subtly is it. It wasn't like this, like I said, this devil with horns and a pitchfork coming and saying, let's do the opposite of what God says and you're going to die because you do it. He wants to understand it's a subtle little difference here, okay? He almost uses what God said and just twists it a little bit. Number, verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat. From the, true, or from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit that is in the tree, on the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat of it or touch it or you will die. Now she added something there, right? Touch it, she added that to it. So she's kind of a little confused in her mind. Satan says, no, you will not die, the serpent said. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now what was this tree the tree of? The knowledge of what? good and evil. So when Satan says, God just knows that when you eat of it, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil, it's kind of true as far as the knowledge of good and evil. Right? There's, a, there's an eye-opening experience these people are going to have with this. So Satan plays off of that and uses that to his advantage to make the lie more complete. Verse 6, then the woman, here, now look, listen, here, look what she saw. Then the woman saw that the tree was what? Good for food and what? Delightful to look at. And that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. She took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. See, Satan twists that. Satan, Satan says, God just doesn't want you to know good and evil. You know, it's, it's something you, you, should, you should want and aspire to. And, and then she saw and said, oh, this is good. This is desirable. I, I should have this. And now, I want us to understand something. We can't put the weight of this on Eve. Uh, guys, I, I've been in camps before where we're like, oh, yeah, man, if Eve wouldn't have messed up so bad, she's the one that ate first. While her husband stood there and did nothing. Right? I mean, we want to blame someone, guys. Men were created, right? There's an order to things. God said, man, you are the head. You are to take care, and you are responsible for what happens here. And Adam's like, eh, I don't know what's going on. I'll just kind of watch over my shoulder. And he, he, he chose passivity. He chose to stand by and, and just, eh, I'll be passive. I'm not going to be active or proactive here. I'm going to let things play out. He didn't lead courageously and step in and say, what are you doing? Get away from us. God told us, and this is, Eve, by the way, this is what God told us. And get out of here, Satan. He watched Guys, we cannot be like the first Adam, right? Like Adam. We can't be the guys who lead from the sidelines and lead from, oh, we'll just do that over here. Good, okay. We've got to be active and proactive in our families, in our households, in our communities, in our churches. 
We can't stand aside passively and let Satan tear into what, what, what is not meant to be the one confronted. We are the ones with the responsibility to lead bravely. Now, now listen, now we're now in that place of Satan trying to throw a lie to you. Now you're like, oh, Brandon's sexist. Brandon, Brandon you know, this, he doesn't believe women are, are equals. No, I, they're equals. But we are not the same. See, our society, I'm, I'll give you equal all day long. But our society wants to convince you and me, Satan wants to lie to you and I and say, we're equals, but also we are, should be the same. It's sameness. And that's where we fall. And Satan is giving us a lie there. Now, if, if you're struggling with that, come tonight. Let's talk more about it. If you're struggling with that, go to Scripture and see what it says. I'm telling you, women, you're off the hook. Adam should have done something there. He should have stepped up and said, this is, this is what we're going to do. I'm not going to let you just flail there, wife. You're my equal. You're my partner. I'm going to relate with you the way I, I am supposed to relate with you. And I'm going to lead you appropriately. But the choice was made to believe the lie. And it sounded so desirable. It sounded so good. But this is what we do. And we saw this last week in Romans one uh, twenty-five That people decided they wanted to exchange the truth of God for the lie. They wanted to worship the creation rather than the creator. And that's the choice that Satan wants you and I to make now. What, what could be the harm? What could be the harm? We justify it all the time in our lives, right? Well, what could be the harm if we just do this? Just this once or just this second time? or What could be the harm? Well, look at number four here. When sin entered the world, if we want to track the story of the fall, when sin entered the world... Death entered the world. Let's look at verse 7, chapter 3. So she ate it, gave some to her husband, he ate it. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Going on through verse 10. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. There's this reality that is presented now, and and what God had created, and he said is good, and was the order of things, has now been just warped into something that is absolutely different and not whole and not perfect anymore. And Adam and Eve realized there's, where there was shameless, shamelessness, now there's shame and there's guilt. And, and, and just look at this picture. Remember I said this is like paradise. This is the, the place in the Garden of Eden. You want to go on vacation here. Just look at what the Scripture said. In verse, uh, verse 8, And the man and his his wife heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. They've walked with the Lord before. It was part of their routine. Like this is what they they, they had this fellowship, this sweet fellowship with the Lord. So they looked forward to it. Like imagine this walk on the beach, right? You're like, I want to go on the beach and coast and walk. This is what they heard. They heard the Lord walking in the garden time. It gets better at the time of the evening breeze. Right? That perfect time where that it's just nice and cool, not too cool, but it's just it's just that perfect, blissful time. 
and they hid. It's like, this is what we had. This is what we should want. And as it comes, what do they do? They hide. Because they're ashamed. Because sin entered the world and death entered the world. And they had this knowledge that they were no longer as God intended them to be. They hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. In verse 9, so that the Lord God called out to the man. said, where are you? He said, I, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid. There's no, there should be no fear there. I was afraid. And I hid because I realized I was naked. There was a shame that came about. See, when sin entered the world, death entered the world. Creation went from good and shameless to broken and shameful. And this sin is like a cancer that invades. Turn to Romans chapter 5 real quick. You probably already put your finger there, right? <clears throat> Okay, it says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that's Adam, and death through sin, in this way, death spread to all men because all have sinned. What's the harm? Right? What's, what's the harm? It's, it's not a big deal. It's just, it's only going to affect me. Sin entered the world, and it entered like a cancer that is tearing us apart and destroying what God intended to be good. Sin is this cancerous thing that affects every single person. Everyone's born into sin, everyone will live in sin, and everyone will die because of sin. And maybe you're a great person. But sin will still affect you. And there are consequences to just general sin that, take, that, that are consequences for every person. And there, of course, are consequences to your sin. When you sin and make, make a mistake, you pay the penalty or pay the price emotionally, physically, uh, penally, whatever it is. We pay the price for sin. And when someone else sins and hurts us or sins and their sin hurts us, we hurt, right? There's consequences to sin. When sin entered the world, death entered the world. Say that with me. When sin entered the world... Death entered the world. And none of us are exempt. None of us are exempt. Oh, come on, Brandon, it can't be that bad. If God created everything good, it can't be that bad. Well, maybe you think that, but check out Matthew 19. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, this is Jesus talking about some pretty bad people like, that were far from God. But, but here's the deal. Everyone is far from God. And the idea of being back in the garden, in the kingdom of God, with, with our God, is something that we should aspire to and want. Our other choice is to be eternally separated from that God. Because when sin entered the world, death entered the world. Both physical and spiritual death. Well, this is just talking about the rich people. Jesus is saying, no, okay, let's go on then. Let's, let's check the next passage out. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the, of the glory of God. How, who's all sinned? Everybody, all of us have all sinned, right? So that clears that one up. <clears throat> Moving right along, Ecclesiastes 7.20, there is certainly no righteous man on the earth who does good and never sins. You thought you were that one, didn't you? You're like, I'm, I'm pretty squared away. I'm okay. I got this down. Uh-uh. You can hide from me. You can hide from your neighbor. You can hide from your wife. You can hide from whatever. But you cannot hide the fact that sin reigns in you, and, that, and you can't hide that from God. You don't want to know why? Because God is perfect and he made us good and had an order to things. And when he looks at us, he says, that's not what I made. That's not how I made it to be. God, God intended something different. 
And I think if we, if we all look deep down in our own hearts, we know that. We can see that. Go on to Jeremiah uh, chapter 17, verse 9. The heart is more deceitful than anything else and desperately sick. Desperately sick. The heart, our heart, your heart, my heart. Who can understand it? See, there's a problem now. There's is, there is a helplessness that has shown up in us because of sin in the world. God created. He's a holy, perfect, awesome God who created us in his image for his glory. He created us and it was good. And then Satan said, oh, let's twist it around a little bit. And we decided to choose to sin and disobey. Now, sin was imputed upon us because of Adam's sin. But even if Adam didn't sin, you and I have done that. We are all guilty. Whether it be, be by Adam's sin or our own, we are all guilty. Our heart is desperately sick and beyond a cure. Uh, scripture goes as far to say the fact is that, that the only way this is possible to get rid of this is that you have, you, you've been born into sin and you have to be born another time, right? Born again in the newness of life. And that's in John chapter 3, verse 7. Pretty sad state of affairs. Pretty depressing sermon today. No? There's the but coming though, right? But there's hope. But there's hope. And if, if there's something we can learn from the fall today, if one of the things we can learn, it's not in us. Because we are this way, it is not in here. The hope we have is not something that comes from us. It's something not, not something I can attain on my own or reach on my own. It's not something I can earn. It comes from God. And that leads to our last point, number five. I'm talking about the fall. God is, is, is victorious. He's in victorious opposition to the lie. God is in victorious opposition to the lie. It's not that, and, and I, I worded it this way. You can stew on it a little bit, think about it. I worded it this way because I didn't want to say, well, God didn't know what to do, and he thought about it for a little while, and then he decided to make a rescue plan. From the foundations of the world, God is in victorious opposition to the lie. When God said, let there be light, he knew that that light was already set out to crush the darkness. He made a plan. Genesis chapter 3, verse 11. I, and I want you to get this. I, we're going to read 10 and 11. Adam said, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Now I'm going to read verse 11, how most, we reread this most of the time. Then he asked, who, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I had commanded you not to eat from? Right? We read that like it's almost like a surprise to God. Like God's really trying to figure out, what happened? Are you okay? That's how I do as a parent, right? My daughter falls down and hurts herself, and I go to her, what happened? Are you okay? How can it hurt? Where does it hurt? Point to where it hurts. Oh, okay, you're good. That's what we do, right? God was not doing that. Let's reread it. Adam says, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then God asked, Who told you you were naked? Who told you you were wrong? Who told you what I made was wrong? And I think this is what he's doing. He's, Adam's right there, and the serpent's over here, and, and he says, Who told you you were wrong? And it wasn't a statement of like, Okay, now get ready, Satan. It's a, this has been set since the foundations of the world, and, and 
I knew you were going to do this. Here we go. Let's get it on. Jump down to verse 14. And there are some consequences because of the sin that, that uh, God sets up. But in verse 14, Then the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than any, any other livestock, more than the wild animals. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He, that is her seed, will strike your head or crush your head, and you will strike or bruise his heel. Genesis chapter 3, we see the hope of Jesus Christ, the seed of the woman, on the horizon. And God is standing victoriously saying, I know the outcome. Guess what, Satan? God wins. And that the seed of the woman, that is Jesus Christ, will crush Satan, sin, and death once and for all. Even though Satan may bruise his heel. Jesus goes to the cross, right? And he dies, but death can't hold him. He rises to newness of life. Because he's God. He's the victorious God that stands in opposition to the lie and to the father of lies. And a faith, a faith begins. A faith begins and a hope is set out and set up in the one that will crush Satan once and for all. So we look at creation and how, how creation, the creator made, made us in his image for his glory. And we look at how it was good and whole and right. And then we look at how God, God said, here's the rule. And Satan said, no, did God really say? And how we chose, we chose to go astray. We chose to sin. We chose disobedience. And that fall has created consequences, severe consequences for us today. But God. But God is our hope. We were born into sin. We live in sin. We'll die in sin. And we are helpless. Romans 5, 6, though, says, while we were still helpless, at the right moment, at the appointed moment, Christ died for the ungodly. In Genesis chapter 3, we see that we are helpless, but the one that's going to help is on the way. Amen? And that is where our hope lies. That, and that if, if we can take anything from this, that you and I are all in the same boat. All of humanity is in the same boat. We have sinned, and when sin entered the world, death entered the world, and we are all, we have, the consequences of sin is death. But God is our hope. God is our shield. God is our strength. And he is the one that will bring us a fulfilled hope through his son, Jesus Christ. Next week, we're going to look, look at what happens with this faith. This faith evolves, and, and it's a faith that, that goes off track and goes astray and starts to rely on self. And we're going to see how relying on self doesn't work, but relying on a faith and a hope in God does. The fall is just the beginning of the story. God making us whole again is the end. And that's what we should all long for. Let's go ahead and stand and pray together. Father, as we close today, we, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you that as we look at Scripture, we, we have to be confronted with the issue of, of the fall and of brokenness.
This world, God, we know this world is not all hunky-dory. God, we know that you have created something that was good and whole and perfect. God, we've messed it up. But thank you. Thank you that there's hope on the horizon, that there's hope in Jesus Christ. That we can be redeemed and whole again because of him. Help us to search our hearts. To find that you're there. Renewing us day by day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close, it's our opportunity to continue to respond to love and to the hope of God. Uh, I hope you will. I hope you'll sing it out and worship him. Or uh, if you need to pray, you pray where you're at. Or if you need to pray with someone, I'd be happy to pray with you. I'll be standing right up front and we'd love to pray with you. Whatever God's leading on your heart right now to do, you respond. Let's sing.